Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19 together. And as I shared with you this morning, we are looking at, um, our title is An Attitude of Gratitude. You know, once again, this has been a tough year. It's been a tough year um, for everyone, not only us within this room, those that are watching online, but, but across our country and really across our world. And as I was preparing for this message, I came across a few memes that, that I thought really summed up 2020. And the first one you'll see up here The first one, there we go, right there. Um, 2020, very bad, would not recommend it. I don't know if I would give it one star, to be honest with you. The second one here is every teenager in the future trying to learn for their final exam everything that happened in 2020. You know that's going to be fun for them. Um, then the next one, if 2020 was a bag of chips, it would be orange juice and toothpaste would be the flavor. And then the next one here, quarantine diary, day one. I've stocked up on enough non-perishable food supplies to last me for months, maybe years, so that I can remain in isolation for as long as it takes to see out this pandemic. Ken Torrey, um, day one plus 45 minutes, Ken Torrey, I'm in the supermarket because I wanted a Twix. Some of you, man, y'all can relate to that. And then this one here, I washed my hands so much due to COVID-19 that my exam notes from 1995 resurfaced. Do you remember when you could read print that was that small? Um, man, what, what? I know none of y'all did that, so we don't even have to address the cheating in this room because none of y'all would do that. Um, but, man, that's some small print right there. An attitude of gratitude. You know, I, I came across a few quotes also about people that have had gratitude in the midst of their trials and heartache. Helen Keller would go blind and deaf at the age of 19 months. She said, so much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I do not have. Joni Erickson Tata, who would become a quadriplegic as a teenager, said, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of of obedience. And then responding or, or talking about the pilgrims, H.W. Westmeyer once said, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. You and I can be thankful even in the midst of turmoil and trials. So again, um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. We read, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. No, not, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May every single one of us in this room be found as the one at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. In verse 11, Luke tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is on his way to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, but we know it's also a death march, isn't it? Because Jesus, in a matter of days, would be betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. But we know that that was not the end because three days later, he, he, he conquered death. He rose to life again, providing a way for all of us in this room to experience eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. In our story this morning, Jesus heals 10 lepers. Now, we know that this was not the first miracle that Jesus performed, and it would not be the last miracle that Jesus would perform. For three years, Jesus has crisscrossed all across the land, healing person after person after person. John MacArthur shares that during the time of his public ministry, he nearly banished disease from the whole of Israel. It must have been a sight to see Jesus healed. Think about this. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, the mute could speak, the dead were raised to life again. On two occasions that we know of, he fed the multitudes, and he walked on water. He calmed the raging storms. There was nothing that Jesus could not do. And now this morning, we see Jesus heal not one leper, but 10 of them. Notice the leper's were unclean. Literally, these men were outcast because the disease that they had, it was highly contagious. Notice their condition. Leprosy, if you don't know, I'm sure all of us do, it is a skin-eating disease. It was one of the most feared diseases um, in ancient Israel, in the ancient world. Leprosy in biblical times was second only to dead bodies in seriousness. In Leviticus 13 and 14, there are 117 verses dedicated to leprosy. God took leprosy seriously, and he wanted the people of Israel to take it just as seriously. In fact, he gave specific instructions for someone that either had it or thought that they might have it. The first thing that they were to do is they were to go to the priest. And if when they showed up to the priest and, and the priest looked down at their skin and noticed um, something that didn't look right, that person would be um, banished from, from, from the community for seven days. After seven days were up, they were allowed to return back to the priest, and the priest would look at them, and if they had not gotten any better, especially if they had gotten worse, they would be banished for seven more days. And then after that seventh the 14th day, they would return back before the priest. And if the priest looked down at their skin and saw that the leprosy was still there, they would be eternally banished from the community and they would be declared unclean. They would be social outcasts. They would go throughout the rest of their lives with wearing torn clothes to indicate that they were lepers. They had to wear, um, go through life with a head covering, and they also had to wear a mask because leprosy is an airborne disease. I mean, think about what they had to go through. They went through life. Everywhere they went, they had to scream out, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. 
That is the life that they lived. That was the world that they lived in. And it was not, um, it would not have been a pretty sight for them. Not only would they experience humility, having to cry out when they got into proximity of somebody, but they were also abandoned. If you got leprosy, your life as you knew it was over. Those with this disease would have had to abandon their families. They would have no hope, no friends, no family contacts, no home, no job. They would not be allowed to go to the synagogue or to the temple to worship. They would be sent out of the community and they would live in leper colonies for the rest of their lives. The only hope that they would have is if someone would throw them some scraps of food that they would be able to eat, be able to eat. You know what else is like leprosy? Sin. Sin leaves a person hopeless, unclean, and dead inside. Sin separates unbelievers from God. It is a deadly disease that is worse than leprosy. It is worse than cancer. We know that the coronavirus is a bad virus. It is worse than COVID-19. None of us in this room this morning or watching remotely have to worry about leprosy destroying our bodies anymore. But what everyone without Christ has to worry about is 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 this deadly disease called sin destroying your body and condemning you to eternity without Christ. The lepers were unclean. They were also highly motivated. Notice what we read in verses 11 through 13 again. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, I can't help but believe that these lepers had heard about Jesus, that they had heard about Jesus healing person after person after person. They probably longed for Jesus to come um, into the community that they were associated with, to get in close proximity of them. They probably longed for that day in and day out. Do you think it was an accident that Jesus happened upon these lepers on this particular day? Absolutely not. Everything happens for a purpose with our God. Jesus showed up right at the right time to heal these men. And, and, and as I was um, thinking about this, I bet you as Jesus was walking into this village and getting into close proximity of these lepers, I bet you there was a few in this caravan that would have been with Jesus that probably told Jesus, um, we need to go another way. We don't need to get in close proximity of those leopards. You know, they were concerned for their own health, but they were also probably concerned for Jesus' health as well. But when these men get close to Jesus, you know what they did? They cried out for mercy. They cried out to Jesus for mercy. While I was at um, First Baptist in Wiley, every Easter we would put on an Easter musical. And I... I, I love those musicals, but I would always play a Pharisee. And I want you to know something this morning. I was a good Pharisee. In fact, I was probably the best Pharisee to ever take center stage. That's how good I was. Well, um, that's, that's a, for another sermon. But there was a gentleman 
um, every year that played one of the lepers. His name was Riley Walters. And he would, he would take the stage. He would have these um, torn clothes and just look like a pitiful mess. And in this particular scene, Jesus would go from person to person and heal person after person. And, and then all of a sudden, you heard on the stage, you heard Riley cry out, Jesus, with this raspity voice, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus went over to Riley, and he would heal him. These men this morning, they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These men would, who could find no mercy in anyone else turned to the only person that could grant them mercy, the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice Jesus' response to these men. Jesus commanded them to go. In verse 14, the first part we read, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't do what he often did. Jesus didn't go over to those men and touch them and heal him. Jesus didn't um, um, just yell out to those men, be healed. He didn't tell them to go to the, the, the pool and jump into those healing waters to receive healing. Jesus didn't do those things. He told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Why did they have to do that? Because the law of Moses required that certain things had to take place in order for a person to be declared clean. Well, these men listened, and these men obeyed, and they went. But I think that they probably went with a little bit of, of, of reluctance. They probably went a little bit frustrated. They probably felt like they had gotten kind of, um, kind of gypped um, to an extent. Because these men who had heard Jesus heal person after person after person didn't heal them. He just told them to go to the priest. Probably something these men had done time after time after time. And they would stand before that priest and have to hear, sorry, but you're still unclean. Go. And this time would have been no different probably, they thought at least. But notice what these men did. They probably had a little bit of doubt, but in faith, they went, and notice what happened next. Jesus cleansed the lepers. In verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. Not after they stood before the priest, but as they went, they were cleansed. The Lord had spoken, and they had listened. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us. And sometimes when he speaks to us, it may not make a lot of sense. Have you ever been there? Have you ever heard the Lord speak to you and tell you to do something and you're like, what? What are you calling me to do? You're calling me to uproot my family and move to where? You're calling me to resign from this position and take that position? You're telling me to do this with my money or that with my money? You've been there and done that. All of us have. But what we need to learn to do is be obedient and go and do even if it doesn't make sense at the time. Scripture says these men were cleansed. 
They were healed. One moment they were screaming out to the Lord for mercy, and the next moment they are cleansed, they are healed, and they are made as new. They were no longer social outcasts. They were no longer banned from their families. They were no longer banned from worshiping in the temple or in the synagogue. They were no longer banned from walking the streets like a normal person would do. They were cleansed, they were healed, and they were restored. That is what Jesus Christ does when we call out to him for mercy. He heals us, he cleanses us, he forgives us, and he makes us new in him. What, what, what do we read in Scripture? That to all who believed in those who have believed in his name, they have been given the right to become children of God. When we become a child of God, we become a new person. The old is gone, the new has come, is what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that if you cry out to Jesus for mercy, that Jesus will answer you? Believe that, folks? I sure hope so. Jesus not only has the authority to heal you of your physical ailments, but more importantly, he has the authority to heal you of your spiritual ailment. He can heal you and forgive you of your sins this morning. Notice next. We read, 10 men healed, one man saved. In verse 15, we read, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving, thanks, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten men were, held, were healed, but only one man was saved. What happened to the other nine? Scripture does not tell us. Maybe they continued on toward the priest to get the all clear, clear um, sign. Maybe they looked down at their skin and realized that they had been healed and they didn't need to go to the priest. Maybe they just immediately ran to their family, ran to their children and embraced them and hugged them. We don't know what happened. But what we do know is that one of those men, his worship was uncontrollable. We read that he praised God with a loud voice. Charles Spurgeon said, while 10 men prayed, only one man praised. How many times have you found yourself in that exact same place as each of these lepers? You found yourself crying out to God for mercy, crying out to God for physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, relational healing, spiritual healing. You cried out for mercy and the Lord was merciful to you and he answered your prayer. However, after he answered your prayer, you went out and you celebrated. You went out and you were grateful. You went out and you declared to those within your community that you had been healed, that you were no longer sick. But you forgot in the midst of your celebration to turn to the Lord and thank him for answering your prayer and healing you. You know, I don't think that those nine men were bad people at all. I think that those nine men got caught up in the moment of celebration and looked forward at their families and at what they had been healed from, and they just failed to look up at God the Father or to return and be grateful to Jesus Christ. 
May all of us in this room be like this one who would fall at the feet of Jesus in worship. Remember, before this man was, was a social outcast, the law prevented him from getting close to Jesus or anyone else. Not only was he a social outcast because he was unclean, but according to Scripture, he was also a dreaded Samaritan, hated by the Jews. But after he is cleansed, he ran to the very place that all of us need to be, at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. Not only is he at the feet of Jesus, but he is also on his face before Jesus. What a picture of humility that is. James instructs us in 4.10, James 4.10, that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt us. You know, there's a proper posture to have when it comes to God the Father. Abraham fell on his face before the Lord and worship, worshiped him. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when, when the, the Lord God descended in that cloud, remember what Peter, James, and John did? Man, they fell prostrate before, before God, before Jesus in all of his unveiled glory, and they worshiped him. The book of Revelation tells us that angels fall on their faces around the throne of God as an act of worship. In Revelation chapter 1, we see John fall on his face before, God, uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ when he sees Jesus in all of his glory. You and I owe everything to the Lord. We must remember that, that we at one time were just as sick as those lepers were. We were dead men and women walking. We were dead in our sin before Jesus showed us his great mercy and forgave us of our sins and gifted us with the, the gift of everlasting life. This man was found at the feet of Jesus, on his face before Jesus, and finally we see that he was giving thanks to Jesus. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And we're told here again that he was a Samaritan. Jesus affirms this man's gratitude. You know, it's really easy for us to understand why this man was thankful. Hopefully, you and I will be found at the, in the same place as this man if we, if, if we um, were healed in such a dramatic fashion. At his feet, on our face, and giving thanks. That would seem to be the obvious place to be, right? But think about those that you have done life with, um, especially believers. Have you ever found yourself knowing one of the nine? Have you ever found yourself knowing someone that, that man, they prayed and they prayed, they cried out to God for mercy, and God answered them, and they were grateful. They celebrated that, and then you lost track of them because they went and lived their life as if nothing had ever happened to them. You know, I've been in the ministry for a long time, and I've known person after person that I've met inside the church house or I've met within the community that I've walked with through an ailment, a sickness, or a disease, and I've seen them healed from whatever that is that they were going through. And man, during those 
months or maybe even years that they had this sickness, they were in church every time the doors were open. But not long after they were healed, they, they, they didn't grace the doors of the church again. You've known people like that? I think probably most of us have. Let's not be like that. When we cry out to God for mercy, let's not go on and live our life as if nothing had ever happened, but let's return to the Lord Jesus Christ and find ourselves at his feet, on our face, giving thanks to him. Matthew Henry, a famous Bible commentary theologian and preacher, um, wrote in his diary once um, after he was robbed one night. And, and he wrote all the different things that he was thankful for. First, he said that he was thankful that he had never been robbed before. Second, he said that he was thankful that though they took his wallet, they did not take that much. Third, he was thankful because even though, uh, let, me, let me start. Second, he was thankful that though they took his wallet, they did not take his life. Third, he was thankful because even though they took it all, it was not very much. And finally, he was thankful because he was the only one, he was the one who was robbed. He wasn't the one doing the robbing. You know, the perspective is pretty important, isn't it? And being thankful in the midst of whatever we're going through is essential. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 92, 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your holy name. O most high, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Scripture tells us that this man was a Samaritan. That would imply that the other nine were Jews, the very ones that should have known to come and fall at the, faith, uh, at the feet of Jesus were the Jews, not the Samaritan. But that is who came. This unlikely Samaritan, this socially outcast, was the one that demonstrated gratitude, and Jesus would reward him. Notice again what we read in 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten were physically healed, but only one was made spiritually whole that day. You may be in this place this morning, and, and, and physically, man, all is well. You may be in perfect health, and you may be living the greatest life that you could possibly live. Let me ask you this, though. Spiritually, are you whole? Spiritually, have you been cleansed and healed from that dreadful disease called sin? If not, what is keeping you this morning from responding to Jesus Christ? What is keeping you this morning from responding to Jesus? Once again, may you and I this morning be found as the one, grateful, even in the midst of our heartache and turmoil. Here's what I want you to do for just a moment, okay? I want you to think to yourself what you are thankful for this morning. Think, think to yourself for a moment. And in just a moment, I'm going to go one, two, three, and I want you to, um, you can yell out if you want, or you can just speak out um, what you are thankful for out loud, okay? 
So you got it? So ready? One, two, three. Again, one, two, three. Again, one, two, three. You know, I shared that I'm grateful for salvation. I'm grateful for my family. I, I'm grateful for this church. We have a lot to be thankful for, even in the year 2020, don't we? Remember, thankfulness brings blessings. The one who returned was made complete. The one who returned was healed physically, but more importantly, he was healed spiritually. Jesus said to this man that his faith had made him well. Has your faith made you well? Because you've entered into a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Come to Jesus this morning with a thankful heart. You may be here this morning, you may be watching online, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to repent of your sins, to cry out to Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of your life. If you do that, I promise you, you will be healed from the greatest disease ever to sweep across our, our land, and that is the sin, the disease of sin. It's a dreadful disease. It's a disease that will condemn a person to an eternal life separated from God in a place called hell. But if you cry out to Jesus to forgive you and ask him to, to, to forgive you of your sins and you cry out to him, be Lord and Savior of your life, then Scripture is clear that you will be saved. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us this morning in a closing prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make when I say amen, you come. Father God, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to, to come together and worship you. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the story of these lepers. Father, thank you how we, we know there were ten. Nine men were healed and didn't return to you. One man returned to you, and not only was he healed, but he was saved. Father, there are some maybe in this room there are some maybe watching online this morning that need to be healed of this wretched disease called sin. I pray that today will be the day that they cry out to you for salvation. Today will be the day that they ask you to forgive them of their sins. And today will be the day, Lord Jesus, that they begin a new life in you. Your word says, yet to all who believe, all who receive, they've been given the right to become children of God. May today they be added into your kingdom and become a child of yours. Lord, move now during this time of invitation. First in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you come. You come. You come.